0: You can find us at Clever Girl Finance. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. Hi, Inka. Hi, Vala. Pleasure to be here. Welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. I'm excited to have you here as well.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here.
0: Yes. So we're going to be talking about how you got back on your financial path, despite some major challenges and income loss that you had not too long ago. And so before we get into the gist of that, please tell us who you are and what you do.
1: Yes, yes, happy to. So my name is Yinka Adibinle. I'm an excellence strategist. I empower and, and enrich youth. We do that through excellent workshops and seminars with the goal of building confidence and instilling principles of excellence into the youths that we work with. We want them to become well-rounded future leaders. I'm also an author as well. I'm a published author.
0: I love it. <laughs> Tell us about your book.
1: Yeah, so my book, it's called Joab King David's Top General. And it looks at development characteristics. And it's really, it's the biography of a great leader from biblical times. He was the second in command to King David. And he was also the king's right man. Very powerful, well-accomplished, talented leaders. And through the story of his life, we see his highs, we see his lows. And basically, reader gets to learn a lot about the importance of having the right character traits, especially as a leader, because it gets to a point of where you can be super talented, you can be really good at what you do. But if you don't have the character to hold up all of that, it can mm-hmm. become very problematic. So in a sense, that's what the book is about.
0: That's pretty interesting. Congratulations on your book. I love topics on leadership because a lot of times it's a new experience for many people. And it's important that especially as women, we learn how to thrive as leaders, regardless of how small or big our leadership role is. So that's definitely a a great book to check out. Let's shift into more of your personal story and going back to the recession in 2009. So about- Over 10 years ago, you went through a major life change. You lost your job in the financial industry, which was the industry that was significantly impacted by that recession. You were also pregnant. (laughs) And you had just purchased your first home. And one of the things that you said was that you were young and you were not financially disciplined. So tell us more about this earlier challenging time in your life to give us context. Take us back to those early days of where you were when you were told you were going to be laid off, you were pregnant, your finances were not in a great situation. What was it like?
1: Right, right. Going back, you know, all the way to, I'll say 2004, actually. So, you know, left grad school, had my MBA. And even before I got my MBA, I already had a great position lined up in one of the largest investment banks in the world. And so that was how my career in the financial services industry started. And, you know, I enjoyed working in that industry. You know, the pay was good and it was just, you know, all was fine. But yes, like you rightly said, I was very financially undisciplined. So even with the MBA and everything, I would say I was a financial illiterate as well you know, I earn money and I'm like, well, you earn money to spend money. So that was my thinking at the time. And so that was literally how I, you know, I lived my life. And I married my husband, who's very, he's, he's very frugal, he's more disciplined. And I just thought it was, you know, I, to him, I thought he was to the extreme. I'm like, well, we're making, we're making good money. So you, you make money to spend money. Well, fast forward to 2008. This was at the onset of the recession. So mm-hmm. we just purchased our first home. And early 2009, I was actually heavily pregnant at this point with our second child. And, you know, this was actually probably at the apex of the re- recession. And as you remember, I don't know if you remember very well, the financial services industry was hit the hardest. So my department was impacted. Literally, there was like a, a major layoff then. So I found myself... You know, I was heavily pregnant, third trimester. We just purchased a home, and now I had no job. That was very scary because that was the first time ever that I found myself in a position where, well, I had no job, and just the thought of okay, wow, we just went from you know having two incomes to just one was very daunting. So that's the the backstory.
0: So thanks for sharing that, and you know, just to speak on some of what you said. So you went from, you know, that mindset of I make money to spend money (laughs) and you were working in the financial industry. So you likely have a great position, right? I know a lot of people who worked in finance at that time were very well, well well-paid. And if you don't mind sharing your income, you can, and you already had a child just purchased a new home and then you lose your job. So in that moment of, losing your job? Did you have like backup savings? Did you have like a backup for your mortgage? Where were you financially? How much debt did you have? What types of debt did you have? What did your financial picture look like in the moment that you went from a dual household income and you saying, I'm making money to spend money to now a single household income with, oh my God, can we cover these bills?
1: Right. We didn't have a substantial amount in savings because I think it was, I got laid off probably about I think about five months or four months just after we purchased the property. So literally all of our savings went into the property,
0: Mm -hmm. into buying that
1: property. So at this phase, we're literally just adjusting to, you know, owning a home and everything else that comes with it. It was, yeah, like $425,000. That was how much the house cost. So we had that debt, about probably around $20,000 in loans. And I probably say around $6,000 in credit card debt.
0: Almost half a million, including the mortgage.
1: Yes. Yeah. No, We've put it that way. Yes. It's scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and it could have been more actually, If you know, thank God for the frugal trade of my husband. So that was where we were. So that's what our financial picture looked like at that point in time.
0: And what did that loss of half of your income look like, if you don't mind sharing? You know, it was
1: shocking. Again, it's always been a dual income household. Mm -hmm. And so just, you know, going from that to a single income household, I think for me, it was just the shock. And, you know, I think the first thought was, oh, my goodness, like, how are we like with the mortgage and everything? Like, that was a thing. I think that was the scariest part. I'm like, oh, we could actually very well lose our home. Your home. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a scary thought.
0: Yeah. And I ask this because, you know, your story goes back to the 2008, 2009 recession, but it's still very much relevant because there are many people who have found themselves in similar situations to you just buying a home, expanding their family just as a pandemic was hitting and people were. Losing jobs, businesses were shutting down. And even now, right, with this current recession, inflation, where businesses are, you know, some businesses are laying people off, people are buying homes, people are expanding their family and being hit by this either partial loss of household income if they're from a dual household income family or entire loss of income if they're the sole household earner or the breadwinner. So that's why I'm asking these questions, because I can definitely tell that, you know, just from talking to other people and reading the news that this is certainly relatable in today's world. So you lose your job, you have your mortgage, you have your student loan debt, some credit card debt. Was that the moment where you were like, okay, I have not been financially disciplined. I cannot continue to have this mindset of I'm making money to spend money was that your enough is enough moment or were there other things that happened that were like, OK, it's time to buckle down and get finances in order? What was that enough is enough moment for you?
1: Right. My enough is enough moment actually happened at the doctor's office. Wow.
0: So
1: I go in for a routine pregnancy checkup and I remember, you know, it was like this was my second time being pregnant. So I, the pregnancy was an easy pregnancy. But I remember the doctor just walking in. He had this positive look on his face. And, and I was like, oh, well, that's not looking too good. I need to see you. You need to come into my office. And I, I'm mm-hmm. thinking, I'm like, what is going on here? Something? i oh, my goodness, you know, what's going on with the baby? So he sits down. And I remember him just looking me straight in the, in the eyes. And he goes, Yinka, what is going on? I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean, Dr. Backman? He said, no, what is going on? He numbers are through the roof. Baby's not growing like she's supposed to, to grow. Like, what exactly is going on? And I just kept going, nothing, nothing. And you know, at that point, you know, I was getting really scared now. He said, and he said to me, he said, well, I don't know where you're going, but your stress levels are through the roof. If you do not get things back under control, I'm going to have to put you in, on bed rest. I'm going to have to induce you. You would have to give birth to this baby earlier than planned. And, you know, Bala, what the doctor didn't know was this, and which I thought I had you know, covered very well as well, was... Over the last several weeks, I just, you know, like with the, the job loss and all of that, I would wake up in the middle of the night just thinking about, you know, our mm. financial situation. And I remember literally I'll be sweating, like, you know, just almost like I think now I know them to, to you know, panic attacks was, was what they were then. Mm. I'll wake up sweating profusely and, you know, then I'll go back to bed because, you know, I still had my older child who, you know, I still had to take care of and everything. I did that consistently for about two, three weeks. So all of that started to impact the baby. So that's why she wasn't growing like she was supposed to grow. So I remember, you know, I left the doctor's office and at just, when I was really scared, I called my husband, told him what, what the doctor said. And I, I remember just, I sat in the car and I was just crying. I was crying because everything just, and like everything just hit me at once. Too much, it was, yeah. yeah, it was really, I was like, okay, you, know, like, you you know, literally the major reason why you're in this financial mess, you have no job. And then this innocent baby, like your actions, your actions and the results of your actions can very well hurt this baby if you don't get your act together. And that was my enough is enough moment. Bollard. That was when I had no answers. I didn't even know how I was going to get out of that situation, but I just made up my mind at that very point in time that, okay, change has to happen and change has to happen starting from today.
0: Hmm. Wow. And you know, This is a very clear example of how money is so intertwined into our emotions, into our health, into the way we feel physically and mentally and emotionally, because you are waking up at night thinking about it, right? That's the mental aspect. And then it was manifesting physically in the night sweats, the panic attacks, impacting your baby, and just then impacting your overall health and the health of your baby, and that is so uncommon when you are stuck in a difficult financial situation and you don't have a way out or you haven't really explored the way out. You don't know what turn to take and this situation has come upon you all of a sudden. And sure, you said that it was because you were not financially disciplined and because you, you were a spender, you were not saving as much as you could have. But I always like to, to tell people and for anyone who's listening to this, like when you find yourself in that moment, right? It's an opportunity to learn. It's an opportunity yeah. to reflect. It's an opportunity to determine, yeah. okay, what went wrong that I can do better? It's not the opportunity or it should not be an opportunity for you to start to shame yourself or even allow other people to shame you because we all get to certain realization points in our lives about mistakes we have made, whether they're financial, whether they're career, whether they are emotional. And the only way we get past those is by leveraging the lessons and seeking solutions and not by being shamed being judged being insulted so just something to keep in mind if this is something that you're currently going through right now you're listening to this podcast you are here now okay it is what it is but how do you now move forward so that's my next question for you Inka you went through this enough is enough moment you were terrified of harming your baby losing your baby it was keeping the money situation was keeping you up at night What was the first thing you started to do to get yourself, you and your husband, back on the right financial track, especially given that you had already developed that mindset of being a spender? How did you adjust? What did you start doing differently to get back on track? So break it down for us.
1: Right. Great question. Great question. At that point, when I made that decision to do better, I had no answers, but I just, I said to myself, I said, you know what? I will never find myself in this situation again. I just made that declaration to myself. And I had to reflect deeply, just like you said. So I had to sit down. I literally just made a list. I'm like, okay, so these are things, itemize the things that I have control over. And then there was a list of things that I couldn't control that were out of my control completely. So I said, okay, you know what? The items that I can control, I will work on those. Like, for example, I can change my spending habits and become more financially disciplined and things like that. And then I also embarked on, a self-development and personal development journey because I'm a strong believer that change starts from the inside. I had to keep my mindset. So just, you know, be it reading books and, you know, just every single, everything, everything I could lay my hands on mm-hmm. regarding financial discipline that put us on that path of financial excellence. I was like a sponge because I was hungry to change and to do better. And that was really how, you know the journey to becoming a better person financially started for mm-hmm. us.
0: And so, at that time, you guys were were managing around your husband's income, right?
1: Right. Exactly.
0: And would you say that your income was like what percentage of your income was to your household expenses?
1: I'll probably say it was back then. I'll probably say like sixty-five percent thereabouts. About sixty-five percent.
0: So that was a significant adjustment. So in terms of like the actual finances, what did you guys have to downsize? Did you guys have to sell your home? What did you guys do differently in order to manage around now 35% of your income after losing the 65 that was your income?
1: I mean, luckily, so we didn't have to downsize, but we had to cut back on expenses. We had to cut back on expenses significantly. So we had to you know, sit down and just come to terms with the new reality so we had to make several calls. We got on the phone, made several calls, we negotiate several financial contracts, called the credit card company, even the cell phone companies, basically. And so we did all of that, and just to bring our monthly payments down. The bulk of our money went towards the monthly payments. Also, I had a, a severance as well, so that gave us leverage for for a couple of months. So we just all of the severance package. Majority of that went towards the mortgage payments. But then we still had our day-to-day living expenses. So we just really had to cut back significantly. So that was really how we lived, you know, during that time.
0: Hey, everyone. Before we continue with this podcast episode, I'd love for you to check out the best-selling Clever Girl Finance book series. There are three books in the series, and the first book is Clever Girl Finance, Ditch Debt, Save Money, and Build Real Wealth. The second book is Grow Your Money, Learn How Investing Works. And the third book is called The Side Hustle Guide, Build a Successful Side Hustle and Increase Your Income. You can also check out my fourth book called Choosing to Prosper, Triumphing Over Adversity, Breaking Out of Comfort Zones, Achieving Your Life and Money Dreams. And this book highlights my personal story to building a business of impact and challenges you as the reader to dig deep into laying out what you truly want to accomplish for yourself. I wrote each of these books to empower women just like you to achieve your goals and get to the point where you're living the life you desire on your own terms. If you love these books, be sure to tell your best girlfriends and they also make the perfect gift. These books are available everywhere books are sold and you can purchase them as ebooks, audiobooks, and also physical books. And you can also ask your local library to order them as well. Thank you so much. And let's get back to the episode. So you cut back significantly. You made all those calls to renegotiate bills, to lower bills, express your financial hardship to your creditors and service providers, which is very, very important. What happens sometimes with a lot of people is that they're so overwhelmed by this change in finances that they they stop. They don't call for help. They're so overwhelmed with the stress that they don't think that anybody can help them, but it is so important that you pick up your phone and call your creditors, call your service providers and let them know you are facing financial difficulty. The worst thing they can say is, no, we can't help you. But many of these places, providers, creditors will, can put you into payment plans, can put you into payment pauses, can, by you calling them, you can avoid or delay the negative reports to the credit bureau. So you definitely want to to make those calls, which is what you did. And another thing that you said that I really, really, I was nodding my head at is that a lot of times people go through financial difficulty and they cut back. But as soon as the money comes back, you know, the income is replaced, they get the new job, they go back to their spending habits. And then it's, it happens again, the next time the job or the income is gone. And you talked about changing your mindset and being hungry and learning as much as you can, right? This is what you could control. You couldn't control the timing of when you are going to get your new job for sure, but you control learning about saving, about paying off debt, about investing, about creating a plan to call your creditors. And a lot of people take that for granted. The knowledge that you learn about your personal finances, even when you don't have the finances, it is a game changer because once the money starts coming in, you know exactly how to act. You know exactly how to move. You have adjusted your mindset. So I love that you said that because that is extremely critical. You do what you can based on what you can control. It's not easy to face financial difficulty in your life, but, you know, do you sit and be sad or do you figure out how you can take action, right?
1: Right. And, you know, I think that's key because, yes, you know, literally because it's a, a, you know, losing a job or, you know, having something that significant happen to you or something significant impacting your finances adversely, it's traumatic. And, you know, it's so easy to maybe just go into depression or just be frozen and not do anything. Like you rightly said, it is necessary to actually just, you know, just summon on the strength, the courage, whatever it is, everything in you to come up with that plan of action. Because I think that was what really helped us. And, you know, it helped just have that OK, that course of action helped us to gradually navigate our way out of the financial situation that we found ourselves in.
0: So you, you got a new job, right? How long did it take you to get your new job? You
1: know, I didn't actually get a new job right away. It, it okay. took a while. I'm not going to lie to you. It took a while and I'll, and I'll tell you why it took a while. So, you know, I was at this point, I had really had no work. All of my experience was from the financial services industry. And then what I'll do, bala, like literally I would just binge on the news, which, you know, I do not even advise that in any way. I'll binge on the news. <laughs> All bad news. <laughs> All the bad news, you know, everything is exaggerated, 10X. I'll binge on the news. So after I'm done watching the news, you're, that's what you're ruminating on because every, anything you focus on immensely is magnified. And, you know, doing that didn't even give me the opportunity. I wasn't able to think outside of the box. I kept thinking, well, I have to look for other roles in the financial services industry. But the financial service, there were no jobs in the financial services industry because it had been impacted Uh adversely by the recession. And so that made my job search a very prolonged one. It made it much longer than it should have been. Because really what I should have done was to think outside the box and look for roles in other industries.
0: So basically it took you a much longer time, but you did, did you eventually get a job or did you then go into your own business starting a side hustle?
1: Well, I did a combination of different things. So I did get a job. It wasn't in the financial services industry. And then I also, so shortly after that, it was, you know, keep in mind this time I've been, you know, working on myself. I'd started on self-development, personal development. And I just started to learn a lot about myself. So, you know, it was around this time that I realized that, you know what, I want to work for myself. I really do not want to, you know, work for someone else anymore or work for an organization or institution. So, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, several, so several years after this, after coming to that conclusion, I did work. I worked for other companies. And then shortly after, I started my own thing. First, of, first it was myself and my husband and then eventually launched out on my own.
0: So today obviously it's a different a different story. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you have you started your own business, you're an author, you're sharing your experiences, you're helping people become leaders. You are back on your financial track. For those people who are listening who are currently going through what you went through, what tips do you have for them in terms of how you kept yourself motivated during the difficult process starting from not knowing what to do to trying to figure out to eventually figuring out, it took a period of time. How did you stay motivated? What advice can you give others?
1: All right, great question, Baller. I mean, several factors to take into consideration that I took into consideration at that time. You need people around, you need encouragers around you. You, know, you don't need a pity party. You don't, you know, you need encouragers. You need people, be it a podcast, be it a message, whatever it is, you need to listen to something every single day that would motivate you.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and I also exercise as well you know it's for me exercise it's not it's a lot more than just um, than physical fitness it's almost therapeutic because it allows you to clear your mind and all of that I'm a person of faith so my faith played a huge role really was my anchor during that time as well and just you know Support from family members. But the most important thing is you can you know, don't, it's very easy to just isolate yourself. And if you do what I do, what I did then, you know, just binging on the news, please do not do that, you know, be in the know, but you need to have a clear mind where you want to keep hope alive. Because if you're binging on bad news all the time, that was going to be magnified a hundred times over. That mm-hmm. was the reason why I was waking up, you know, two, three in the morning, just, you know, panicking because all of, you know, everything I saw on the news kept replaying in my mind. And I kept thinking, oh, that could end up being my reality. Mm-hmm. So keeping hope alive, you know, that is key. And the different methods that I mentioned, be it listening to a motivational podcast, just you have to keep hope alive. And why, why is that key? When, irrespective of how bleak the situation looks, voila, if you have that glimmer of hope, knowing that, you know, there's a bit of light at the end of that tunnel It allows your subconscious to go start looking for solutions, how to get you out of the mess that you're in Mm -hmm. right now, as opposed to just, you know, throwing in the towel, ruminating on the situation. That's not going to help. That's not going to change anything. So look for ways ways to keep yourself motivated. It might be hard. Eventually, you keep doing it. You force yourself. I don't know, get a running buddy or something. You force yourself. Eventually, it will become a habit. And then you would see it would affect your mindset. And then you start, that's when you start, you know, your subconscious starts to look for solutions. You start thinking of ways that you can just get yourself out of the financial hole that you're in.
0: I agree with everything that you said, you know, finding ways to stay motivated by distracting your mind, (laughs) leaning on a support system and just giving yourself a clear head so that you can stop. Ruminating, stop focusing on the negative, but instead give your mind the opportunity to find some positives that you can work on, some opportunities that you can take advantage of, immersing yourself in that type of content, the tools and resources that can help you get out of a situation. I've definitely gone through d- difficult situations in my life where it is what I read and what I listened to and who I surrounded myself with that allowed me to come out of those situations, allowed me to do better especially emotionally and mentally, right? And that can make all the difference when things are not going right. Like your mental and emotional state is so key in order for you to take the appropriate actions to get yourself out of it. So I agree with everything that you said. So today you guys are back on track. So what steps have you put in place? What have you done to continue building wealth to ensure that if there is a business decline, if your husband loses his job, you never find yourself in that situation again. What have you put in place and how are you ensuring that you continue to build wealth into the future, not just for yourself, but now your two children?
1: Right, great question. We have several sources of income now. You know, I think one of the biggest takeaway from that experience back then was you, you can't just rely on you know, two incomes or, you know, j- or just one income. So now we have several sources of income and then you know, we're still very frugal we're very disciplined with our finances. Mm-hmm. So even as our income has increased over the years, I just, we don't leave, I, well, let me speak for myself. You're no longer well, a <laughs> Yeah, I'm not, spend. <laughs> you know, no longer a spender. I mean, not to the point of where, you know, we deny ourselves, but everything is done strategically, basically. Yeah. With our finances now, it's, you know, there's a purpose for the money. It's not just, you know, spending money for the fun of it. There's a purpose attached to, to money now. And we also have, you know, investments, you know, long-term investments for ourselves and for the kids as well. Just investing, like you know, over the last couple of years we've invested in you know in land, but just having the different sources of income, it helps a great deal because mm-hmm. just like you, know, like you said, you know, no one knows what tomorrow holds. What if something happens tomorrow? You want to be sure that you're in a position of where you have some cushion, you know, mm-hmm. be for a couple of months or whatever, that you you know you have some cushion. So that was key. That just having you know, something in savings, I'm just you know, diversifying our streams of income and then investment, long term investment for, for us. It's a big deal. You know, you might think, oh, I still have 20 years, 30 years. But well, you'd be so surprised the time will creep up on you like that and just doing the same for the kids. And then one of the biggest takeaways for me from all of that experience was, you know, the kids. I have three kids now. My husband and I are their biggest role models. We are the ones that, you know, they're learning from us. So it's our responsibility as parents to show them how to handle finances properly. And we do that. How do we do that? Through the way we handle our finances. So that's what we've done since then.
0: And so key, you know, what you said, multiple streams of income, having different buffers, investments, investing in land, whatever you have defined as those income streams for you with your businesses, with your husband's job and other things that you're doing. It's so important to have that diversity within your finances so that you have your fallback plan. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with spending money. I, I think that I spend money. I love buying things. I love doing things. I love paying for experiences. We all enjoy these things. Let's yeah. not pretend like we all just want to... <laughs> That would be a very boring life. I, mean, I, be, <laughs> I don't think we all want to be frugal to the no. point where we cannot enjoy that. There are some elements that we want to enjoy in life. It's just inherent to us as human beings. And yeah, that's okay, yeah. but it's important to have it in priority, right? Exactly. Are your finances in order? Is your debt in order? Is your savings investment in order? diversifying your income, thinking about generational wealth, are all these things in order? Then sure. Enjoy your life, live your best life, spend within reason, as it makes sense without impacting your goals and your plan. So thank you so much for being here to share your story and your experience with us of what you have gone through. (laughs) And I would just love you to share any final words you have for anyone listening who's looking for encouragement.
1: Uh, Yes. Yes. Um, Thank you. Thank you for having me on Bala. It's been a, a wonderful, wonderful conversation. And so I just want to encourage anyone that, I don't know, maybe dealing with job loss right now or whatever, financial setback or trauma. I just want to say to you that there's hope, there's light at the end of the tunnel. It's very easy to just, you know, look at your situation and not even be able to see any way out. All of the the, the steps that I've outlined here, you know, be in the know, don't (laughs) binge on the news, you know, have some kind of plan. You want to intentionally stay motivated so you can start to think of ways to get yourself out of the situation. But most importantly, because I can, you will get out of the situation. This is not the end of the road for you. I love that proverb that says a living dog is better than a dead lion. You know, Mm -hmm. the fact that you're alive, you're breathing, there's hope. There is, you will get out of the situation. But I just want to leave you with this. Once you're out, once you, you know, you're, you're back on your feet financially, don't dispose of all of the lessons. Look for the lessons as you're go- walking through, which is what you're doing. You're going through, you know, you want to get the lessons, write them down, type them down, do what you have to so that when once you're back on your feet, you don't make the same mistakes. You don't repeat those same errors that got you into that financial mess that you are right now but you want to take those lessons and use those lessons to improve your life and to you know, motivate others as well and come share your story like I'm doing today.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Inka. Before you go, you have to tell everyone, what is your Clever Girl superpower?
1: Ah, my Clever Girl superpower is excellence. You know, I mm-hmm. live my life by principles of excellence and I try to just see things through lenses of excellence. And what is excellence? It's simply doing the very best with what you have now as you're working towards more or striving for more, focus on what you have right now, what do you have right now? And do the very best with it. What job, as you're working towards becoming a big CEO one day, if you're a janitor today, determine in your heart to be the very best janitor in the company. That's what excellence is. That's how I try to live my life daily.
0: I agree. Yes. We should all strive to be excellent at what we do, no matter how, whatever people think about what we do is none of our business It's their problem, but excellence in everything we do translates throughout our lives, especially as we, we progress and we, we make strides and we, you know, we start achieving our goals. Do things well. My dad always told me that whatever you do, do it to the best of your ability. The best of your ability may not be perfect, but you have done it with that peace of mind on knowing, knowing that you gave it your all. So great advice. And then finally, please tell everyone how they can keep in touch with you, Yinka, where, they, where can they find you and learn more about you?
1: My website, it is called waysofexcellence.com. Go on there. You can sign up to my newsletter. That's how you get to follow my my journey. I share a lot of strategic and excellence advice on there. And then I'm on social media as well. You can find me at ways of excellence. Ways of excellence is my social media
0: handle. Awesome. And we will put those actual links in the show notes as well for anyone who wants to keep in touch or send you a message. Thank you so, so much for being here. I appreciate you.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me, Anne. It was a pleasure being on your show, Vala. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into this episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. If you've loved the episode, but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, You can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and head on over to iTunes and leave a review so other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you on the next episode.